we can find many books, programs, etc., that deal with people's last words, often their deathbed words. And that the deathbed words of uh, great characters, whether they be Christians or not, can be of great interest. Well, our reading this evening contains not Peter's deathbed words, but they do contain the final words, uh, his final written words that he has left us. And they are of great importance to every believer. And that's what I want to consider with, uh, with you this evening. So our text is 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But grow in grace and knowledge growing the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Peter's words of 2,000 years ago come to us with the same force today. Uh, we live in an age which is increasing, uh, where the gospel is increasingly ridiculed, and we are called to stand fast. Uh, but these words remain uh, oh, the only certain way uh, that believers cannot lose their stability. Paul, uh, Peter rather, in verse 17, has been, he's, throughout the whole letter, he's been warning them of false teachers and of those who will come and, and ridicule and mock the gospel. But he says, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And he goes on then with this exhortation. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. If you want to stand, this is the way to do so. Uh, it's been said, a Christian is someone who never actually stands still. We either grow or we decline. We either go forward or we go backward. So these words then are of, of such importance too. They, they are a real challenge to us as believers. Are we growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? So I want to think with you then, what does it mean to grow? But first of all, as we look at this text, there's uh, an unstated implication in these words. Because growth implies life. And what is true in the physical world is also true in the spiritual world. Without spiritual life, there cannot be spiritual growth. Where life is absent, growth is an impossibility, isn't it? Uh, you can take an, an inanimate object and you can make it bigger by adding things to it. But you can never ask a brick to grow. You can never ask a chair. Well, you can, but it won't get bigger. It's inanimate. It's, there's no life to it. And uh, that's true, uh, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. And so the question that comes to us, first of all, is, do you have life? I, I can look around and I can see you all have physical life, but do you have spiritual life this evening? Uh, earthly life, it begins, doesn't it, in the womb. It issues in the birth of a child, and growth follows. But without birth, 
There's no growing from a child to a teenager to an adult. And so it is in this spiritual realm which we are concerned with. What Peter is speaking about here can only take place in your life if you have first known a spiritual birth. Simply put is, you must become a Christian before you can grow as a Christian. There's an easy logic to it, isn't it? Uh, And Jesus himself made this clear, didn't you? Remember on that night when Nicodemus came to talk with him, Jesus makes that very plain statement, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. There's been a new beginning. These are are ways of speaking of a person becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. By nature, we are dead to God. But the Christian knows new life imparted through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first question we need to ask ourselves when we come to a text like this, uh, we must ask ourselves, am I born again? Do I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour? Am I a Christian? If not, then these words this evening don't apply to you. But the wonder of the gospel is you only need to turn to the saviour and seek him and come to him in repentance and confession of your sins and you can know this transformation in life. You can know what it is to be a Christian. And today, you can begin to grow. Grow in in Christian life and in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the unstated implication. But then secondly, turning to the exhortation, we need to ask, what does Peter here mean by grace? Grace in the New Testament has several meanings. Uh, Grace, uh, if you're a Christian, you'll know that classic definition that grace is God's unmerited favour towards undeserving sinners. Uh, It is this grace that has opened our eyes to our need of the Saviour. It's the grace that opens our eyes to see the Lord Jesus Christ as the only hope of salvation uh, and to experience uh, Coming to the Saviour is to experience God's free kindness and mercy. To know forgiveness of sins and peace with God. Rather than the judgment that our sins deserve. It is God's grace that has revealed uh, Jesus' life and death and resurrection. As the only sure foundation for our acceptance with God. Paul declares, doesn't he, in his letter to the Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That's a glorious theme, a glorious text, but I don't think it's what Peter is speaking about here. That grace which we experience in first becoming Christians is a perfect grace. Salvation is a perfect work. Becoming a Christian is a once-for-all experience. Uh, 
The moment you believe, you experience the greatness of that grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's amazing that from that moment, you can never be more pardoned. You can never be more forgiven. You can never be more justified than when you were first saved. So I don't think it's that grace that Peter is speaking about. But grace can also mean uh, a divine energy or power available to us. A supernatural enabling. Uh, remember what the writer to the Hebrews writes. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Again, it's such a, a glorious promise to us who are believers. It's a rich resource, isn't it? For every believer in all the changing scenes of life, as the hymn just says. Uh, and another hymn expresses the truth so well, doesn't it? He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. And the, the, the chorus says, his love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto men. For out of the infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth a great, again. It's that grace which enables us to live as believers in this fallen world. But again, I don't think it's that grace which Peter is referring to here. So what, what then is the grace that, that Peter is pointing us to? And I think it's important to see in our text that Peter links growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ together. It's not two separate things. It's one growth. We grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When John wrote his gospel... He declared in that great first chapter, didn't he, that, God, that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. Uh, and in one of those verses, he says, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, there is a description of, of God revealed in the flesh. Perfect God and perfect man. There was a fullness of God's perfections that could only be seen in Jesus Christ. No man was, was more gracious, more kind to the undeserving. But John, I'm sure, is not just describing Jesus' actions or what his actions would, were. But he's describing his whole, whole person. Jesus, in every way, was full of grace and truth. It is a description of who Jesus is. And so I think that what Peter is doing here is exhorting us to grow in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. That day by day we are called to grow more like our Saviour. Our justification our acceptance with God is total, it's complete. It's the wonder of the gospel. But our sanctification is an ongoing work. What we are in God's eyes in our Saviour 
sadly is not what we are yet in our daily lives, is it? We still wrestle with the old man. We still wrestle with remaining sin. And sanctification is that ongoing work. Uh, Paul, again in Corinthians, says, doesn't he? We all with unveiled face, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from the one degree of glory to another. From this comes the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, you might want to stop there and ask the question, well, hang on, if Paul is saying that this comes from the Spirit, if sanctification is a work of the Spirit in our lives, why are we called to grow? Well, in the mystery of God's purposes and plans, he ordains the use of means to bring about those purposes and those plans. Consider natural growth again. Can you make yourself grow by merely thinking about it? Of course not. I'd be six foot by now, not five foot four. But the wise parent provides all the necessary conditions for their newborn to grow healthy. They don't put the newborn in the cot and think about it growing and looking each day to see if it's happened. No, they give it food, him or her, food and water, warmth and clothing. And wonder of wonders, growth takes place. And in the spiritual life, we are called to so live that we surround ourselves with the conditions in which healthy growth can take place. As believers, we are called to make use of the spiritual food and water that God has provided for us. Uh, and that brings us to this vital connection between growth in grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 13 verse 4 says, The soul of the diligent is richly supplied so are we diligent are we diligent in seeking to know more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves whether we are young in the faith or old in the faith whether we're young in years or old in years are we daily increasing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ are we seeking to know more about what Christ has done for us are we seeking to know more about Christ himself and the glories of his person? Are we seeking to know more of his love? Do we seek to know more of God's word and God's plan of salvation in the Lord Jesus? Are we growing in a personal communion with the Lord? It is one thing, isn't it, to increase in head knowledge. But are we knowing more of the Lord in our personal walk as believers? I find that most challenging to myself. Uh, we had a, a lovely uh, lady in our, our congregation who uh, lived into her 90s. She reached a point where she couldn't come to church, to the fellowship, to the meetings. I mean, but whenever you visit her, I often say, how, how are the days? Do you, you find it? I'm never lonely. My saviour is always with me. I can stop at any time and talk to him. 
I can be cleaning and I talk to him. He's always with me. She knew such a, a natural, intimate knowledge of what it was to commune with her saviour. In physical growth, you know, so, so how then are we to grow then? If this is so important, how then are we to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour? Again, in physical growth, in the natural realm, we don't look for some magic Hollywood trick, do we? There was a, a film once called Big, I think, wasn't it? When suddenly uh, a child, little child turned into a big man. It doesn't happen like that, does it? Growth is an ongoing, uh, often slow process day by day until we reach a certain height. Uh, in the plant world, you, you buy a plant, don't you? You look at the label, it says, spread so much, height so much. And, and it will grow to its limit. And then growth stops. But that's where this comparison comes to an end. Because while, again, there is no spiritual trick in the, uh, no magic trick in the spiritual world, there's no sudden experience, whatever some might teach, growth in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord never has a limit. We are to go on and on. We must never cease seeking to grow, being made more like him from day to day until we reach that day when we see him face to face. And as John says, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But surely our increase in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ will go on increasing throughout all eternity. We will never come to an end of discovering the beauties of our Saviour. So in order to do that, we must never cease from surrounding ourselves then with the best growing conditions. So next I want to ask, what then are those conditions? Uh, the Lord can bring about the believer's growth, can't he, through his providences. Trials come into our lives, uh, whether it be illness or, or family situations. And we learn so much, don't we, about ourselves and about the Lord. And those situations can make us grow. But how are we in our daily Christian lives to behave? Well, firstly, are we diligent? Remember Proverbs said we, the diligent are richly rewarded. Are we diligent in our personal devotions? This is where our food and water is to be found. It is in the scriptures that the knowledge of the Lord is set before us. So do we study our Bibles? Do we pray over our reading? Do we seek the help of the Holy Spirit in order to understand what we read and apply it to our daily lives? Do we spend time not simply saying, well, I've done my reading for today, I've done those two chapters, I can move on. Tomorrow I've done those two chapters. Do we stop? Do we meditate on what we read? Are we seeking to be fed and nurtured and nourished? so that we know what it is to grow? Do we give time to prayer? Here is that, that opportunity for communion with our God and with our Saviour. 
to come before him, to pour out our hearts, to seek his help. How vital Bible reading and prayer are to us as individual believers. This is vital nourishment for our spiritual lives. But secondly, are we equally as diligent in the use of the public means of grace? Uh, is the regular meeting of God's people a priority? I, I don't know you all very well. I don't know whether this is an occasional visit or whether you're here every Sunday evening. But surely this opportunity, this God-given opportunity uh, to meet with God amongst his people should be a priority to us as his people. And as we make it a priority, do we anticipate it? Do we look forward to it? Do we pray about it? That when we do come together, we will meet with God. And that our hearts and minds will be enlarged so that we know spiritual growth. As we delight in the worship of God. As we are able to commune with God. As we gather around the Lord's table. You're going to do that next week. Do you see that as a means of growth? As a means to commune with the Lord Jesus? as you remember his great sacrifice on Calvary. Do you take advantage of every opportunity, a Sunday, a Bible study, a prayer meeting, opportunities to meet together, to speak of Christian things? These are all part of the diet of the believer for healthy spiritual growth. J.C. Ryle, the, the Anglican, wrote, it is a sign of bad health when a person loses relish for his food. And it is a sign of spiritual decline when we lose our appetite for the means of grace. So firstly, how important private, our own private devotions are. Secondly, the gathering together to make use of the public means of grace. But are we also, thirdly, watchful as believers? Whatever view you have of feeding your newborn child, I'm sure, as parents, you're all very careful about what they put in their mouths. You're very watchful over what they eat. Uh, although... Most babies get round that and put anything they want to into their mouths. But as parents, we're anxious about those things, aren't we? Are we, are we watchful as believers about what goes into our hearts and what goes into our minds? Do we seek that it will affect every aspect of our lives? We can very easily, as believers, can't we, without without purposely doing it, divide our lives up. Church, Sunday, my morning devotions, that's my spiritual life. My work, my gardening, my walk in the country, that's the rest of my life. But that's a tragic danger if we fall into that, isn't it? Our whole lives belong to God. Our whole lives are, being, are to be moulded 
by this growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So are we watchful, not only about what we put in, but then rooting out as well what uh, hinders our growth? I don't know if any of you grow vegetables. My kidney beans are an absolute disaster. They are absolutely covered in, in black fly and aphids, and you can hardly see the green for the black. I haven't been careful enough. And our lives can be like that, can't they, if we're not careful, if we're not diligent, if we're not watchful as believers. Again, to quote J.C. Ryle, we must aim to have a Christianity which, like the sap of a tree, runs through every, tree, every twig and leaf of our character and sanctifies all. Fourthly, then, I come back to this personal communion. Is this knowing the Lord in an intimate, personal way important to us? Do we seek regular communion with him? Our saviour calls us to such fellowship, doesn't he? All the descriptions of what we are as Christians speak of this. He is the bride, we are the bridegroom. It's not a healthy marriage if the husband and wife never speak to each other. He is our head, we are the body. If they are divided... Well, death, not life, ensues. There's that intimate relationship. He is our shepherd. We are the sheep. Do we listen for his voice? And do we follow him? All these relationships speak, don't they, of a close connection. So are we striving to know greater communion with our Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Paul, you remember in his letter to the Philippians, uh, writing at the end of his life, he's in prison. Uh, remember what he says in chapter 3, he's given a description of uh, his becoming a Christian. Uh, and then he goes on to speak about, he's at the end of his life, remember, and he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Are we pressing on, aiming for the mark of seeking to be more like our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ? And finally, how can I know that I'm growing? That's such a hard question to answer. And, and as we look at ourselves, I'm sure as believers, we, we feel day by day still so, unmuch, so unlike our Saviour. It's been said, hasn't it, it's often easier for other believers to see growth in you than yourself to see it. But consider these few points. Does sin appear more hateful to you now than it once did? Our Lord, we reminded ourselves this morning, didn't we, of the, the, the separateness of God uh, and man because of sin, of God's 
holiness. Well, that is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could not look on sin with any pleasure. He was the perfect God-man. And he was totally without sin. Now, that will not be our experience until we reach glory. But is sin more distressing to your soul than when it, you first became a Christian? If so, then you are becoming more like your saviour. Does the knowledge of your sin increasingly humble your soul as you realise more of the cost of your salvation? If we have a light view of sin, Christ dying for sin doesn't seem to be such a great thing. But when we plumb the depths of what sin is, when we begin, sin, begin to see what sin is like in our own lives, well, salvation is free to us. We begin to learn more and more of the cost to our Saviour. Do you sing with more meaning as the years go by? Oh, teach me what it costs thee to make a sinner whole. And teach me, Saviour, teach me the value of a soul. Again, is the longing of your heart becoming more like that of John the Baptist? Remember what he said? He must increase and I must decrease. Self-importance, self-elevation, self in all its forms is one of man's greatest sins. We always want to be first. But are you becoming more and more like John who wanted Christ to be first in his life and himself to be nothing? Do you love God's people more and more? Do you love to meet one with another? Do you love to see each other's faces and share fellowship together? Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. The more we love our fellow believers, the more like Christ we are becoming. Do you want to see Christ more and more glorified in the salvation of the lost? Do you want more people to come and share what you have experienced in coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I want to know these things? Those are the challenges to us, aren't they? To know whether we are growing more like our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he who wept over Jerusalem, he who wept at the grave of Lazarus, he suggested he wept because he there saw there all the effects of the curse there in Lazarus's death, and he wept. Do we want to see God in the Savior glorified in the salvation of sinners? This was Peter's final statement, wasn't it? This was his final great desire to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Is that your longing? That the day of eternity is such a tremendous statement, isn't it? Forever and ever and ever, do you want Christ to be glorified? Peter exhorts us, but grow in grace 
and, uh, sorry, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.